1: straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered
2: by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 258, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Our good friends at Bud Light, Cedric Golden here with the Duck Kirk Bowles. And Duck, I was at Dish Falk Field over the weekend, and the Texas baseball team resurgent all over the Baylor Bears with a squeak. And then they go down to the Valley and take out, is it UT Rio Grande Valley now, formerly Pan American? That's it. Formerly UT Pan-American. Formerly, Formerly UT Pan-American. Pan University. With the horn's on a bit of a roll. That's five, that's four, five straight wins. Five straight wins. David Pierce
3: joins us. How you doing today, Coach? Doing well, Cedric. Kirk, how are you guys? Are you a little groggy? I know it was a uh, long night or maybe a short night considering. What time did you guys get home from uh, the Rio Grande Valley? Well, like I was saying
0: earlier, before we got on uh, the podcast, I mean, our bus driver got after it. So nice. uh, we got in about three thirty. probably got in bed four o'clock um, tough little turnaround, but you know, you can concern yourselves with those types of trips. Uh, just, I think it's important for Texas baseball, not the university, but the state and for our fan base down there is just exceptional. And, great for the, the Rio Grande Valley fan base um, for both schools. And it was an electric night. It was a lot of fun and we played well and, you know, we're back home, take a little breather. Uh, our, our workout today will be kind of spacious where guys will come in and out uh, in our open facility versus a structured practice just because of academics and rest. well,
2: Full disclosure, I I, I have to – I'm going to fall on the sword here. So, after Sunday's 13-4 win to complete the sweep of the woeful woeful Baylor Bears, um, I, I pulled you aside, David, and I go, no way you're going to the Valley. It's going to rain. It's going to be 80%, and you just need to go ahead and, and call coach and tell him, hey – you don't. you didn't want that smoke. And so I told Craig Way, the voice of the Longhorns, don't worry, C-Way. You're <laughs> not going to have to go down there. What do you know you went down there? Did it even rain? Am I that horrible a weather predictor?
0: Cedric, I think you're out of your element being a meteorologist, to be <laughs> honest with you. So, I mean, you're a hell of a sports writer and, and great content, but the weather is not your specialty, so you probably ought to leave that up to the specialist.
3: <laughs> gonna have him stay in his lane from now on. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, we so all.
0: What have, happened? Was it we was all have We all have our, our lanes, so we got to stay there. Yes. Honestly, um, Coach Matt Lock and I spent a lot of time just kind of back and forth and trying to follow the patterns, and meteorologists helping us out. So uh, our last conversation was seven forty-five yesterday morning. And um, seemed like it was going to be good. Uh, uh, interesting thing happened. We were also talking off air, but, you know, they, they brought in a helicopter and hovered and the field and tried to dry it. Well, they, they blew a lot of the diamond, um, the, 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 the pro-diamond the, the mixture on your dirt. It blew a lot of that off. And the, the, the dirt was actually hard. Because uh, they had it covered. But the helicopter was an interesting piece because I know Texas dealt with it. I think it was in the 2015 regional at Dallas Baptist where they Do blew the entire budget. Remember the well, helicopter? Rough, that, rough weekend. Drive. Well, I got a great story for you when it comes to helicopters and baseball. So in 1985, I was playing at the University of Houston and we were actually in the valley that weekend um, and we had played at Panham. And so when we left Houston, we didn't top our field. And so when we came back, it had flooded all weekend, and we were getting ready to play the very first night game, March the 17th, 1985, St. Patrick's Day, against Notre Dame nice. at Houston. And they brought in temporary lights. It was a big, big deal. But that's when ESPN was just starting that Sunday night baseball for uh, for college baseball. And we had to work like 24 hours as players, staff, everybody to try to get the, the, the water off the field. And um, they brought in a helicopter to dry the outfield and to hover around the field. And that was my first experience with it. And then, you know, Texas in 15 and then us uh, yesterday. So only been three incidents, but all of them been pretty positive for us.
3: You weren't flying the helicopter in 85, were you?
0: No, I could barely figure out if I was going to eat that day or if I was <laughs> going to, you know, where I was going out after the game.
3: Yeah, and, and look fly, at
0: where
2: you wait, wait, Doug, do they yeah. fly them upside down or do they fly them right side up?
0: Right side up.
2: Okay. I was yeah. wondering if you get the propellers a little closer to the field.
0: <laughs> That's good. You got to really be talented, I guess. But
3: no, right side up. Well, you've come a long way since 85. You got your 400th career win. Congratulations on that. Uh, and, and the baseball team had some struggles, but is it fixed now? Well,
0: first of all, I think the 400 is the nine plus 17 games as a Division One head coach. But I was also a high school coach. Um, and we had a lot of wins there. Also, you know, I spent over 500 wins with Coach Graham, um, University of Houston. So, I mean, when you just look at the wins, it was, it's closer to over 1,300. But as nice. a as a Division One head coach, which is kind of where you're labeled, um, pretty good little mark there. But it's awesome because when we talk about our culture and it's about the people involved in your in your program that really start the process of your culture. And we've just been blessed to have so many great people in our program. And I have to say, Coach Miller and Coach Allen have been there with every 400 wins with me. That's amazing. It's pretty special, pretty special for our team. So I view that as a team accomplishment that I get the, the recognition for. But, you know, when we get beat, I view that as a team accomplishment. <laughs> situation that i also get the blame for so they, they
3: even out again they do even out well, i didn't mention all the high school when i didn't want to age you too much uh but uh, congratulations on that and boy what a weekend boy uh, is this team kind of riding on a high now where's their confidence level after sweeping baylor
0: i think it's really good um i think it comes down to pitching uh i, I really feel like we're gonna hit i feel like we're gonna catch the ball um one thing about hitting is always the approach can always be very consistent. You can control your work. You can control your routines. You can control your breathing, the things that you can't control in the box, but you can't always control the results. So sometimes hitting comes and goes and then you face plus arms and, you know, and then people want to question, well, what happened to the hitting? Well, a lot of times it's just really good pitching. So you then have to find ways to score Mm-hmm. uh when you're facing really good pitching, whether it's pitch count a guy, whether it's uh, the short game uh taking advantage of uh, home to second, scoring from second, going first to third. So mm-hmm. a lot of your little things really come into play when you're pl- facing you know frontline arms. So I thought their kick, uh, Garza, last night is a really good arm. Uh, it really is, and he can pitch. So we had to pitch count him quite a bit and did a nice job of just getting him out of the game.
2: You know, the, the one thing that that I, I know from um, you know from co- covering Texas baseball, and Kirk covered it for 20 years, is it's a long season. And no, and no one's going to be great from beginning to end. There are going to be some peaks and there are going to be some valleys. Um, uh, Ivan Melendez and um, Murphy Staley told us that that you guys met after that, that 14-2 loss to Air Force to clear the air. Uh, how important was that meeting and uh, airing out some grievances and just get, getting some things off your chest? Because you are dealing with a bunch of young people and there's a lot of testosterone in that locker room.
0: Well, I think the first thing is to really open the forum up and allow guys to really say what they need to say as opposed to, you know, fabricating the the meeting and then coming out of it and not really accomplishing anything. And so it started with, you know, me. And, And as a coach, you tend to pick everything apart. As a player, you get tired of being picked apart, even though there's times that they need to be picked apart. So... You know, you have to, especially in this era of coaching young men that are very motivated, that put in the time, they've been structured their entire lives. They know how to work, but learning the game and prioritizing their work has always been the key. Uh, and, and, and 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 where we are now, I, I just feel like they grow up so much with kind of the cart before the horse, right? They go through mechanical work and things before they get into the imagination and the competition and their mentality and so we have to flip that. We got to deprogram some of their mechanics and start over and then we got to get into the mentality of their um, competition which we always felt like we had that piece. And so it's kind of an oddity now when you have that ball player mentality because the talent is better. I don't think the baseball IQ is better. And so we have to fight through that to get to what we want. And so it's a constant process. But in that meeting, I just felt like, uh, you know, the kids were able to say, you know, coach, there's times you just you, you harp on things and, you know, it beats us up. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you talk about get the fastball down and you make it sound like it's so easy. And so me clearing the air with them and then mm-hmm. an open forum of, kind of calling each other out, um, player to player, coach to coach, uh, um, coach to player. And we came out of that with the, with the, the thought of we're in this competition together. It, it's not about you trying to prove something to a coach or you're trying to um, prove a coach wrong. It's like we're all on the same team and we need this energy level and we need to feel like there was one comment made to like, if you're struggling in the box, you know, you could almost feel the bench going, well, there's runners in scoring position, but he's not going to get it done. Oh. Let's grab our gloves and go play defense or, oh no, here comes so-and-so out of the pen. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. As opposed to being truly, yeah, let's truly go. backing that player. And that, that wears on players. And I think that goes from, coaches and players. So it's a good lesson. Um, Kurt, you asked, or, you know, are we, uh, is all that behind us? I think Cedric make a very valid point. It's a long season. And so you have to be able to play really well. And then when you have those setbacks, you can't panic and you can't go to what well, we got to fix everything. No, we got to clear our minds and we've got to just get back to competition. And, and I think that's kind of been the key for us now. Uh, I like where we are mentally right now. I really do. I'm seeing some adjustments on the mound. Uh, Zane was a great adjustment last night. Um, And there's so much history that I have over the years that I can just relate to this certain type of player or this guy at this time of the year where he was, and he made a change, and all of a sudden he finished really well and was a third-rounder, and we won. And so we use those pieces to help these guys get through some of that as well. I think the
2: most important thing you said over the weekend when we asked you about that meeting is we wanted to make sure the players knew that we were grinding with them. Yeah. And that kind of I'm, – I'm sure that kind of gave them a chance to exhale and go, uh, I, I know we've been struggling, but it's affecting our coaches too. They're not, We're not the only ones hurting here. Uh, When we're losing. So I think that was important that you made that point, David.
0: I think what's important from a player perspective is that the player knows that you're putting the work in for them. Mm -hmm. And when you fail, it it hurts us just as much because we feel like we have failed you. And if you have their back and they feel that, then they understand that they can get through that without Having to go, well, I'm going to prove coach is wrong. Um, you know, it, it it's not tough love. It's not love and then tough being tough. It's just really competing and working together for the the common goal. I think um, one of the one of the things that to me like I've been just kind of pulling words and I was thinking yesterday one of the words that I want to make sure that we're we're talking about is commitment. And, and it's it's a word that I want them to understand that how, how committed their coaches are in their development. The commitment from their coaches for their development and to reciprocate that and receive that commitment knowing that they've got your back and they're doing it for you. And if you can do that with individuals within groups and it carries into team, now you start getting that feel. You start feeling like, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Let's, Here we go. Make the pitch. Here we go. That's right. And it just kind of takes over. And it can go the other way uh, when you don't have that. Sure. And it unravels and you can't get
3: out of that spiral. It can snowball. Absolutely. Well, you're you're kind of approaching the critical point of the season, obviously, down the home stretch, have three series left. And you got a uh, tough, tough Oklahoma State team. Uh, coming in here. Um, That's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be lights out. Uh, The dish is going to be electric. And I don't know if you feel like they're similar to y'all in any way because you look at the stats, David, y'all are first in the Big 12 in hitting, pitching, defense, everything. And Oklahoma State's right there second in pitching, second in defense, and fifth in hitting, you know, have a good club. And they've got an ace in Justin Campbell who's lights out. So, how big is this series for what y'all are wanting to accomplish this year, David? Well, I think when you look at
0: the, the, the five championships that we're trying to win, right? I think to, to win the conference, uh, I don't know if you can really afford to lose this series, mm-hmm. but you can't go play it. You can't go play it like that. right? And that's the fine line. And so you have to go play loose. You right. got to enjoy this competition, you got to enjoy the, uh, the, the, the confrontations that you have, mm-hmm. the setbacks, the adversities, how you handle all that. So, you got to be involved in that piece, not worried about the big picture. But I think when you also look at um, our non conference schedule and you look at uh, the RPIs and the things that, how many good RPI programs we have in our league. I mean, this is a feather in our cap if we do well in this series. Mm-hmm. So it kind of positions us for, uh, you know, standing in that national uh, hosting area. Uh, we, we made a jump last night to, from nine to eight. And so we're right there. Yeah. But again, again, that's my job to kind of just look at that from the big picture. But um, I just think it's going to be a quality uh, weekend series. Uh, their team is. Uh, very confident, and they really have big arms. Uh, they can really pitch. they got stuff, and I think when you have stuff, that, that that's the combat against uh, good hitters. And so it's going to be that matchup. I think they're pitching versus our offense and our pitching versus their offense. I like our defense. Um, I, I like our power, but at the same time, it's just two quality teams going at it uh, in the Big 12. I mean,
2: I, I, Kirk's been around this this program for decades. I've, I've been around since '03, and I just can't. I, I mean, '07, I think was the was that the '81 homer year for Texas, Duck.
0: I think it was,
2: and and that was Kyle Russell with 28 yeah. homers, yeah. and you guys get a couple of those
0: off of us as well. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> you guys gonna obliterate that mark um you're set did you hit one uh tuesday night
0: uh we did not so uh, you are 78 actually, we actually dodged a couple because i thought they hit the the deep ball better than we did oh wow and okay a unusual a very unusual north wind ah. um, was in our favor for once. So, i know <laughs> yeah that that dish, a
2: dish. Jet Street has been blowing out of you guys. 78 home runs. 78 yeah. home runs in, what, 44 games? You're 31 and 13?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty Same. crazy. And it your is power insane. guys are hitting for average. How does that happen? Well, I think it's – I think we'll go back to that word commitment and in their development because Ivan Melendez is a very mature, almost at times looks like – a big league hitter in a college game because he's not going up there in situational offense, trying to hit home runs. Mm-hmm. you have, I can just revert back to a Baylor Sunday, second and third. I think there were two outs, took the base hit up the middle. Yes. Sir. Did the same thing last night, base hit in the six hole. It scores two runs. So, you know, he's an RBI machine and the home runs work around that. And I think, um, when you can understand that as a hitter and you don't force that, um, you know, you hit home runs. A lot of times home runs are mishits. They're kind of mishits. You're trying to hit the ball on the line every single day. And you just get under it with your swing path. And, you know, that's a strong young man. So when he, when he squares it up and maybe hits a little bit below it, it goes a long ways. And that's what we want him doing. But uh, just getting – the RBIs earlier in the counts and not getting in those potential two-strike counts or not getting in a, you know, just being just situational. And really understanding my job right here is to advance the runners. My job is to get the RBIs and go about it like that. And he's such a good hitter. He runs in some home runs in those situations as well. The thing that,
2: that, that just amazes me about him is, uh, and I know he's not, he's not swinging for the fences. He just isn't. But if a but if a guy misses by half an inch, a really good hitter will make you pay by poking it through the right side or, or, or just getting a nice little base hit. Tony Gwynn made a career out of that. But if you miss against this guy, he takes it out of the yard. I just there just aren't many guys like him in college baseball. There just aren't. There's aren't.
0: He can miss hit a lot of home runs. Uh, I know literally. So just how many it? times have
2: you gone, oh, man, he almost got that out of here and the ball's just like carrying and carrying and carrying, and then it
0: goes. He's it's, amazing. It, it's backspun. It's uh, power. It's uh, timing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys, too, that will, you know, two strikes a dump a hit in the opposite field, and people go, "I ah, got jammed. Well, to me, it's pretty good hitting because – you probably want to try to see that pitch a little bit deeper with two strikes and try to get contact. He's done a good job with that.
3: He's only hitting uh 404, uh, not too shabby, 64 ribbies. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's a lock for national player of the year, but he's got to be heavy consideration for that. I think David and, and I wonder how much he's helped his draft value coming back, which in turn also helps your program as a place that develops players. But those are
0: two things that right now we need to avoid is from their perspective of sure. just not getting caught up into some of that. And, yeah. and I think, you know, after every game where he hits a home run or he has success, I mean, he's getting bombarded on social media and, mm-hmm. and, and, friends and family. And, and hopefully he just keeps pushing that distraction yeah. to the side and, and, Let's just keep playing and see what happens at the end of the year, right?
3: Exactly. And you look at the home runs. I mean, you know, I counted it up yesterday. wrote about it in my nine things column that you got three guys, you know, Ivan and and Murph and Trey Faltini with 45 home runs. That's more than 217 baseball teams uh, in the nation. And Oklahoma State's got 46 as a team. You got three guys with 45. It's just – I don't know if it changes the way you manage a game in any way because they're so capable of, you know, getting that three-run shot and playing for the big inning.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because talk I think about that it. That's what you have to do if you're paying attention to how your offense is operating and scoring. Right. You know, we're we're running a little less. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. We're running a little less um, just because you know, that, that potential power and that potential of driving the ball in the gap. And, you know, I really like where our three, four, five is right now. And you throw mess in the six, but, yeah. you know, you look at Ivan Murph behind him. It's leading the country in hits. you got Silas is swinging a really good bat. And Then mm-hmm. he's me- messengers. I mean, he's no slouch either. Yeah. I mean, he was hitting in the three hole for Kansas. So <laughs> he's in our six, seven right now. Um, and we've done it without one of our speed guys and one of our best guys, and Eric Kennedy. And so, I really like the way DC has stepped up. I like the way Murph has been a very consistent right fielder that we didn't know if that was going to happen, and we just kept working towards that. And kind of went into it more of just in case because of Austin's arm, and and actually it has come to fruition because we've needed that position. Uh, You know, and and then some bench guys as well, like Schuessler's been big for us. Kimball Schuessler hasn't played a ton, but he's played enough to protect Silas. And that's a very um, unselfish job. Uh, And he's done a really nice job. He cut six innings last night, exactly what I wanted, Um, just so Silas could get a breather, catch his breath, and then have him on the back end of the game defensively.
3: And you mentioned Kennedy. He's had the hamstring problem. You think he's close to getting back, David?
0: We keep hoping so. Um, And so, yeah, I think he's close, but the hamstring is so hard to gauge. And, you know, it's frustrating as a player because nobody really sees the entry. Um, But we all know Eric's character, and we all know that um, we want him to wait and and not have a reoccurrence right so we're trying to be as patient as possible unfortunately we've had guys
3: step up yeah dylan Campbell's played pretty well for you you see yeah. these guys you,
2: if you're eric kennedy you see what's going on and you're like <laughs> man i, yeah, gotta I get in there. back in there <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this right. train is rolling, man i i don't want the caboose to pass me by i want to get back on this train that's right. There's nothing. I mean, D.C. Loo-
0: threw out two runners yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. in the they game. Play.
2: Oh yeah. Winning is contagious, and and so is hitting, and and everybody wants to be a part of that. And you know, um, I I haven't seen Oklahoma State uh, this season. What problems do they present to their opposition?
0: Uh, I would say starting with their starting pitching. Uh, their pitching in general is very good. Um, I think their veteran team that um, well coached, they're, they're a team that also has a couple of professional guys on their staff that understand that process of longevity. Um, so uh, I just think in the big picture, they're very talented. They can really pitch and um, if you don't pitch them, they'll beat your brains in. So uh, just kind of across the board, solid team all the way across.
3: Do you even look at the schedule? You know, I know've they've got, they've got to come here to play y'all and they, they've got to go to Baylor and they've also got a dangerous series with uh, Texas Tech at, that they will host in Stillwater. You've got three series left, two at home. Do you even kind of look at that kind of scoreboard watch?
0: I do. I don't want my players to, but I do all the time. <laughs> I mean, I know, like you look at, and from my perspective, West Virginia is really good at home, and yeah. that's the one we gotta, you know, we we gotta play uh, this know, one. That's we're not looking to have, but then you go sure. there, then you got the exam break, which really kind of benefits us, and then finish up with KU at home. But you know,
3: nothing's taken for granted—that's for sure. West Virginia, they're stealing all the bases y'all used to steal. Well, they got like 130 steals. They <laughs> do. They do. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. So I'm sure uh, dish is going to be jumping uh, starting Friday night. Uh You're 18 and four at home. I mean, you know, that's such a, you know, something y'all can rely on it uh, to kind of fuel y'all and keep y'all up and give you energy, right?
0: Uh, No doubt. And our fan base has been incredible this year. And I'm just fired up for them, too. I mean, they've come out and and not only been here, but been very supportive in the stands and been loud. Uh, It's been fun. Our kids had a great experience last night in the Valley with just 7,000 excited fans for baseball. And, you know, our fans really told me something when we played a non-conference non-Power 5, not a big name weekend series against Incarnate Word, and we had over 20,000 people uh, in the three-game series. That that's tells great. me that they come to see us.
2: Yeah. And yeah you, that the,
0: you know, and that that's a credit to them. It's a credit to our team for putting a good uh, you know product on the field. So it, it it's exciting. Um, I think we're just going to go out there and Try to play the first one and see how it goes. And hopefully it goes well.
2: Get your tickets. Get your tickets. If you're listening, if you're watching, get your tickets. This weekend is going to be great. I will be there. uh, uh, Mr. Daniel Davis will be in the building Friday night. I will be in the building on Saturday. And the Doug Kirk Bowls will be in the building on Sunday we're going to be all over this series. The Longhorns are rolling. Big challenge on Friday. The Cowboys are no joke. And man, uh, this is this is going to be a playoff atmosphere.
3: I can already tell you that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. We've had quite a few this year, and it's mm-hmm. going to be the next one for sure.
3: Yeah, you got to enjoy it, like you said. You know, players to be focused but loose, and just yeah. kind of enjoy playing baseball. Right? That's what it's all about. That's what they signed up to do, and that's what they love to do. So let's go play baseball
0: and enjoy competition. Love it. Love it. Well, man, we appreciate you
2: chopping it up with us today, David. Good luck this weekend. We'll see you at the dish. And uh, as always, it's just a pleasure to talk about, take, talk ball with you.
0: Appreciate you guys. Stay
2: away from the weather. (laughs) <laughs> I'll keep him in check I'm a, I'm, I'm a fat Al Roker <laughs> see you man
3: see yeah, you David Take he care, used man. to be
2: fat See you later.
1: on second thought
2: Doug that was a great conversation with David Pierce the Longhorns are excited Gonna gonna try to lasso some Cowboys this weekend but let's get back to the boys of fall Spring football is over. Can't hide my excitement. Hey, I, I am so excited. I just can't hide it. You had goosebumps I'm about Saturday to lose night. control, and I think you, I like it. You had goosebumps. the reason why me. I'm so excited is Brian Davis is with us, and he's going to tell us why the Texas Longhorns is going to run the table in 2022. Which means a win over the Alabama Crimson Tide. What's up, BD?
1: Hello, boys. How are we doing? I'm glad to see that David Pierce has decided not to just forfeit the season, right? <laughs> Very glad to see that Texas is going to keep playing hardball. Um, and hopefully there's more of that Baylor smoke uh to come in the in the in the rest of the season. It's a baseball. They know how to win in baseball. They don't let so, a
3: little a little uh struggle derail them so so i mean if you come down from the high from uh, the spring game the orange white game bd
1: <laughs> listen the funniest thing i saw at the spring game was it was a uh was a very entrepreneurial uh, businessman out on the street pushing his giant yeti hey five dollar beers it's nine dollars inside five dollars here nine inside he was trying to get people in the mood get them in the spirit he he definitely He's had a right, right Boulevard, in the town. BD. Out on Bevo Boulevard, absolutely.
3: Yeah. Nice. They had it, they had it going. They had like uh the Mavs Jazz going on some video screens. They Good. had this uh, uh Longhorn uh Bivo toss where you could toss these uh life preservers over his horns. Yeah, uh, at the Ferris wheel. You got all things working, so uh a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm, and uh so a serious question BD uh, you were on this uh, exact program just a week or so ago and said kind of look like a seven and five uh, team in the fall have you come off of that uh, you have more uh, excitement and
1: uh, enthusiasm about the fall now if you saw the spring game I mean i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna just take out the word kinda I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with seven and five um, okay. as of right now i'm not I'm not backing off that for sure. Um, and the and the reason why is because I listen. Nothing's to me. Nothing's really changed. I I I still think offensive line is too much of a question mark. Um, the inexperience at quarterback. Because I I I'm with you guys. I think they're going to start Quinn Ewers in the fall. Um, this defense, you know, can they get to the opposing team's quarterback? You know, well, to me, that's still to be determined. And here's the thing about it too. Nobody's gonna. You know, nobody but the super fans are going to get all over me for saying seven and five, because if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I am all about under promising and over delivering. Right. So, you know, to me, that's where the coaching staff in terms of expectations, that's what they should want to be right now. Because the worst thing that could happen if you're Steve Sarkeesian is for people like us. To be sitting here in in uh, April and May, going, I don't know, guys. This looks like twelve and zero. This looks like twelve and zero. When the coaches are like, "We ain't gonna go twelve and oh Well, yeah, what well, this guy's out of his mind. So, you know, seven and five, eight and four. Uh, I th- I think that's very realistic expectations right now. Um, as as we sit here in the spring,
2: well, I need to ask you about this, BD. You got involved in a little Twitter beef. Was it? Twitter has this new thing where you can jump in a chat room or something and chop it up with other people with similar interests. And you found yourself—was uh, it an ambush? How would you describe it? Tell our listeners, sir.
1: It was not an ambush, you know. And and, and I don't and I don't want anyone to think that I, I didn't appreciate my time on Seti B's uh, Twitter spaces because I was very uh, appreciative to who is Seti B. He's a fantastic fan on Twitter. Um, SETI? Yes, C E D D Y. Yes. I don't
2: like people just walking around using the word SETI. Set- <laughs> I might need to get that. I can't help that. BD I can't help it. that. But he, he Austin, is- The only two SETIs were SETI Golden. And I have awards uh, that I give out on in the Statesman ever so often that might not be getting the clicks I hear that need to be. And also wow, <laughs> the late great Seti Benson, who was Seti B. Oh, that's to true. Yeah. It's to good. Him. yeah it's good so story. I might have to, I might have to get with this Seti B
1: and figure out, is he a bot or is he? He's a real? not a bot. Very real person. Very real person who really wants to see, his Longhorns do really well this season, no doubt about that. Um, and it just—it it its it was his view that um, Texas is is at least a nine-win team. He really likes the talent. He really likes what they uh, have uh, at the tight end spot. He thinks that Jaleel. Tight Yeah, I think that's what he was saying. Thinks that I they agree. use the tight end.
3: Stop oh that. yeah, right. they Pretty are. Weird. Yeah, I'm all in. They use them every man. spring, sure. No, no, no. He's talked about tight ends since January, a year and a half ago. And Gunnar Helm and Javion Sanders, who showed us some hands, they're going to get in there. And Jaleel Billingsley, I mean, they're going to use the tight end. I bet tight ends catch like 50 passes.
1: Go ahead. I hope you're right. I hope you're. I listen. I I'm not going like to dispute you. any of this right now. But anyway, said to your point, the original point of the question. Uh, this was a group of Longhorn fans that did not want to hear my realism. They wanted to hear all optimism, and and um, you know I and that's okay. I just think that it's a little early to be drinking so much Kool Aid on a team that has so many question marks. That's fair. Because
3: it's all Kool Aid in spring and August, it's all Kool Aid until they show us it's real. It ain't yeah.
2: Kool Aid when you invite Brian Davis to chop it up on Twitter. Well, it's real, well. and it's real on on Second Thought Duck. We keeps it real on this podcast, and I had him at night a couple of weeks ago. Just trying, just trying to rile up the masses. And I, Are you still there? Are you still I'm there? Here. I'm still here.
3: I'm still, still at nine. nine and three. I'm
2: still at nine and three on, on okay. April the 28th.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, more like that. I'm more like BD. I'm like seven and eight wins. I just think new quarterback, whoever it is, offensive line, very little depth. They don't have that elite pass rusher. They don't have an overabundance of great linebackers. I think the secondary showed me something. Running backs are great. Wide receivers, pretty good. I mean, if Not you bad. keep Not bad, Win
1: healthy, Isaiah
3: and Neor, I've been in his camp. So they've they've got pieces. They got more playmakers. They got more elite players, if you will. They just they, they still got Gary have Patterson. like Gary Patterson, right? They still don't have enough dynamic players, but and they got to develop them. But I go back to, well, it shouldn't be a slow build. You're paying. Sark, all this money you're paying the staff, all this money, and yet Baylor can go from two and si- two and seven to twelve and two and win the league in a Sugar Bowl in one year, basically.
1: And Dave Aranda is just starting from scratch. So and why by the can't way? He- and, and by the way, let's re- real quick sidebar here. Did you see what what Aranda did yesterday? He named a starting quarterback, yes. allowing uh, Bohannon to, right. to then turn around and put his name in the transfer portal. Aranda made the decision before the May first portal deadline. Right. I gotta tell you, man, I, I don't know if that's good or bad right. for Baylor, but I definitely like really tip really my hat to to Dave Aranda for making right. that decision for for Bohannon.
3: It's good for Bohannon. And you got to think of the players first. I mean, you know, if you're going to be a player's coach, and uh, I agree. I mean, here's Bohannon. I don't know would he start ten games last year, eleven. I'm not sure what it was, but he's going with the big arm with with shaping. And uh, no, I salute him for that.
2: Raise your hand if you think that Steve is going to name a starter in the next seven days or so. Uh,
3: negatory goes right. <laughs>
2: I see no hands. I see no hands. All I, see, all I hear are crickets chirping.
1: It'll be it'll be two weeks before Louisiana Monroe game. We know that. Can I say can I say one thing about the quarterbacks real quick? It's just, you know, Go ahead. I got I gotta tell you, look, I, I know that people have their feelings about Hudson Card, and I know that people are super jacked up for the on the potential of Quinn Ewers. Okay. Right. But I got to tell you, man, Malik Murphy has me very intrigued. <laughs> he really does. Slow down. Slow I know. I'm just saying, just saying that, uh, you know, I'm anxious to watch him in practice in August when he's back to has two full healthy wheels. Um, he's, he's over that ankle problem. And um, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that Malik Murphy's going to start or anything like that. But I'm just saying that as a guy on the roster um, he, he might be one of the guys I'm most looking forward to seeing uh, in practice at full speed in August.
3: Well, let me say this. I thought Hudson Card outplayed Quinn Ewers. Absolutely. Absolutely. He did.
1: There's, no, there's no doubt about it.
3: Yeah, I looked at the stats, and I kind of tried to keep loose stats because we're trying to figure out who's in the game, what yard line they're on, all that stuff at the same time. And I had him like you know 13 for 17 with like 127 yards, more consistent, mobile, can move the chains with his legs. But you know, Quinn Ewers is Quinn Ewers. He's the he's the savior. He's the number two recruit in the country. He had the play of the game, you know, the long bomb to Isaiah Nayor. No, what are you talking about? It's not a money decision.
2: It's always a money decision, sir. No, oh, so no, no, no. It's he, always a money decision, sir.
3: So yeah, he started hunting Card it. last year because he thought that's how he's gonna keep his money of you know, six mil a year. But I mean, how did money enter into the Casey Thompson Hudson card quarterback derby?
2: No, when when Casey Thompson got here, there wasn't NIL money to be dealt with. Now you bring Uh, in Quinn yours with his reported $1.4 million deal. He signed last August and he's, he's a commodity and people wanted him. And so you're gonna tell me that Quinn Ewers coming in here to sit with all of that money? Yeah, when he, when yeah, he's I to represent his
3: his nil um, partners. He can't Sarkisian can't care about nil. He's caring about Steve Sarkisian. He he goes seven and five, like Brian says. Oh,
1: five and 7s you You're twelve and twelve. You know. See, but that, okay, but that's my point about why I keep coming back to the Trevor Lawrence example, right? I mean, the, when the Jags have the number one pick, they're going to play the number one pick, right? And so right. now Texas has the nation's number one recruit or who was supposed to be the number one recruit in the country for 2022. He's playing. Um, he's playing. Yeah, that's just it. He's, he's playing. I well, we think so.
3: But that doesn't mean he's staying. He's playing. That doesn't mean he's staying at center. Now you're a rapper.
1: Now you're a rapper. I want to see that. Listen, do not waste your best lines on the podcast. I want to see that in the paper. That is uh, a,
2: that's one hell of a line, Duck. Uh, that is one I, hell of a line. Listen maybe playing, but I don't mean he's I want
1: listen, I want to, I want to get said, I want to give you credit for a, a terrific line that uh you said that I think you should hang on to because it'll come in handy again in the fall. You know, Kirk, I don't know if you heard said in the press box uh Saturday night. But he says, you know, he said, you know, Quinn is a deep ball guy, but Hudson's more station to station. And really? I really thought, man, that is a, that, man, that's perfect. That's a perfect description Absolutely. of not only what we saw, but what we think both guys are.
3: No, it's right. It's like he's Quinn's the deep threat guy. He's going to, he may, he was like one of five, his first series. And yeah, he was under pressure on a screen pass. It was covered. So he threw it in the oh. ground and he showed yep. had another one that, some of our Twitter detractors said, oh, that was a drop. Well, he threw it 100 miles an hour. But, you know, and he had, he had several overthrows. But I don't know, you know, like Sark told us a few weeks ago, he said, man, if you're not completing 65% of your passes, you ain't playing for me.
2: He didn't look and like it, a 65%er to me on, on spring, on Orange White Day. He didn't. He didn't.
1: Me but either. he takes
2: more chances. Hudson. Yes is gonna be a god that's gonna dump it off more and take what they give you and in my heart of hearts i believe that sark kind of likes that because he wants to move those chains but but i do believe when you have an xavier worthy and isaiah nayar when you have guys like that that can get deep yeah then you're gonna want that nuclear weapon and he can spin it and he's got a gun that touchdown pass um, was it? How many was it? Fifty six yard? I don't know how many 62. yards was that touchdown? Sixty two. Yeah, it was like fifty four in the air. Oh, I yeah. mean, it was an absolute rope. He can really stretch that field. The question is, can he do it with accuracy? And the Hall of Famer Steve Young always said, "I don't care how strong your arm is, if you if you can't complete a pass." And Bill Walsh taught him this. If you can't complete a 15-yard pass, it doesn't really matter how strong your arm is because you're uh, not uh,
3: accurate. And, and your to your comment about station for station, there's some uh, uh, value in that. When you've had a hor- horrific defense, you want to keep them off the field as much as possible. So you don't mind some time-consuming drives if they end up in seven instead of three, where – you know, and Hudson Card can run. It's just I, – I just don't know if we have Sark figured out yet because I think that – speaking for the three of us, we all thought Casey Thompson would be the guy in the spring and in August. And then lo and behold, no, it's Hudson Card. Well, we were wrong. Well, it turned out no, we were right. Were, were we it's wrong? He, were we wrong, Kirk? We no. were wrong for our first two games and then – No, he was wrong. Casey no, – He was wrong. He was wrong. Right. Exactly. We were not. But so we were convinced Casey's the guy and he started 10 games, so – uh, he finally came around, too, so I don't know. I don't know what the book on Sarket is. It's hard to read. He could go to Quinn Ewers and then say Quinn Ewers plays against Alabama and completes 48%, and, boy, here comes Hudson Card against UTSA the next week. So Oh,
2: yeah. And of, and I don't all, know, I all, know if anything's but... that's in stone, guys. Yeah. Would he play them both? You think he'll
3: play them both in I the don't... opener? Yeah. Well, maybe in the opener, but mm-hmm. uh, he's not a two-quarterback guy, I don't think, so. <laughs> So let me ask you. Moving on from quarterbacks, uh, who are a few guys that jumped out at both of you that like, man, that guy's got some talent. He's going to have an impact in the fall. Anybody uh, said that you would, you know, mention?
2: I have to say it, and I'm and I'm and I'm a, I'm a little lukewarm in saying it, but Jatavian Sanders. There you go. My tight ends looked really good catching the football. He did, he did. and moving the chains. I still think that if he wants to be in the NFL, he's going to have to put his hand in the dirt and be a defensive end, edge rusher. But I like what I saw from Jatavian Sanders. That's my.
3: Yeah. Brian,
1: anybody jump out at you? I mean, the one – I mean, I want to say Keaton Crawford only because he made the one really hard tackle because I was glad to see somebody out there tackling, trying to throw guys down hard. Right. you know, i really want to see i really want to see Keaton have a have a big season this year um you know no matter where but to me i was i was a little I don't I, I don't I guess i can't use the word disappointed because they couldn't touch the quarterback but you know you didn't see the guys get a lot of pressure on that defensive line um not that not that they could have brought him down anyway right. but but then for 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 rojo to slip through and get a 50 yard touchdown run keelan robinson also got loose out of the backfield you know I, I just i just sort of thought that the defensive line would play a little better the way sark had talked them up about mm-hmm. stopping the run in the in the availabilities beforehand
3: yeah and our roshan johnson he's a he's just a player he just i think he's gonna play in the nfl i don't know if he's gonna be a chris Obenai or somebody but he's a guy that could play special teams and running back and wildcat and and help a team for you know five seven years. I really think he's got that kind of talent and maturity. He's a uh, guy you want I, on your team. I know that. He's, yeah, you definitely. I,
1: want, you definitely want him on your team.
3: Right. I, I thought I I like your Crawford thing. Anthony Cook
1: had the only pick. Had a good read on a ball. uh Oh, I mean, power. well, okay. If we're going to talk about big plays, I mean, for Jaron Thompson to reach in there and strip that ball away from Devontae Sanders, that yeah. was a dynamite play. That that's was an tur- intang-
2: That's an intangible play. Exactly. Those are the kind of plays that that basically go. I didn't quit. Right. Yep. I'm not quitting yep. on this play. I got burned. I'm not quitting. Uh, and the teammates see that and they go, "Man, he made something out of nothing." Yeah. Yep. Those kind of those kind of plays, BD, can trickle down and yes, and and and, and, and uh, engage a locker room and serve as fuel and motivation. I like that play.
3: Oh, that was a heads up play, uh, Jay Barron impressed me he was all over the place Mo Blackwell had a great hit on Xavier Worthy over the far sideline so I I didn't see great play out of Deshaun Jameson or Ryan Watts the two
1: cornerbacks did
3: y'all
1: it's funny you say that I I I only in between one of the hundreds of commercials they showed a picture of Ryan Watts I said oh yeah that's right Ryan Watts is out there right how about about that but I didn't I did not see unless I missed it I, I didn't see him do much I didn't either they didn't did really. You know, throw hey, speaking those, of that, they didn't did really you,
2: throw at those guys much either, though. Yeah. Be fair.
1: Speaking of that, did y'all know that Walter Cronkite's a Longhorn legend? <laughs> I heard that somewhere.
2: I yep. was there when they when they showed it.
3: <laughs> did you know that Dallas Dodds is a Longhorn legend? You know, Walter and I went to school at UT together. We were in the same class. You and Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> not really. Not really. But uh yeah, I did know. Hey, did you see Myron Warren in the transfer portal? I thought he flashed a little bit in the D line and now he put his name in the portal. Who knows what that means anymore?
1: Well, uh, I'll I'll tell you what it means because I wrote I'm writing I'm writing about this for tomorrow's uh for tomorrow's statesman. Okay. Um roster churn. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sunday is the deadline. May 1st is the deadline now for, for athletes to put their names in the transfer portal and, and be eligible for next season, assuming they have the one free transfer still. If you've transferred twice, you're going to have to sit out a year, just like it always was. Right. But I got to be honest, guys. I thought we'd see more names trickle out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of, of guys who either didn't like where they were on the depth chart and uh, put their – I thought we'd see more names in the portal – uh, by this point, because let's be honest. I mean, they're shaking up the roster. They're bringing in 33, 34 new guys, depending on if they can get uh, uh, Oshawn Mathis, right? A lot of new faces, and I just thought there'd be more exits.
3: Yeah, well, it's not May 1st yet, so... That's true, not May 1st. <laughs> well, who knows? i tell you who is in the portal. is, uh, uh, Well, not in the portal, but uh, declaring for the draft were Andrew Jones and Dylan Dissu... Uh, none of us think Andrew Jones is coming back to the Chris Beard's basketball team, Courtney Ramey, either Uh, Dylan DeSue, local product, you know, Vanderbilt by way of Flugerville. You think he might, you know, just test the waters and then, you know, come back to the basketball
1: team because like uh, Marcus Carr or Timmy Allen. I, I, I think what, I think what Dylan is doing here is very smart. Right. Put sure. your name in the portal. Why not go through the NBA scouting evaluation process? Right. Um, you know, said and I we definitely talked about that during the season said, you know, you, you think you like I know you like Dylan big body, but, you know, just kind of surprised it wasn't there wasn't more there there. Right. But no, it, to me, it's genius. Go through the process. Get, an, get a hardcore NBA evaluation, pull your name out by June 18th and come back to Texas and get better. I
2: love it. Absolutely love it. And I think that, I think that Dylan believed that he would be better this year. He's still coming off that surgery, guys. He's mm-hmm. not 100% back yet. And I think, I think that if he goes through a good offseason, uh, hear some real evaluation talk from some real NF, NBA guys, that I, I do believe that he that he will be a better player for it. They really could use that length and that long body and that energy because he did flash a couple of years a couple of times this season with that energy. But we thought that we would get productive, consistent Dylan DeSue, not just scrappy Dylan DeSue. He's got a lot of upside, and I just hope that he comes back and um, and and does it with Texas because I'd like to see him progress here.
3: Yeah, we don't know what Dylan DeSue is going to be, but another Dylan, Dylan Mitchell, six, seven forwards coming as a freshman and MVP of the Jordan brand classic, 18 points. Uh, you know, hopefully he's a big body that's going to help out. And they got a kid out of New Mexico State, sir, sir Jabari Rice, not Jabari Rice, Sir Jabari Rice, you know, he's like a at least a three year starter in, in the WAC and played over 100 games, I think, or. Uh, what do you make of uh, the additions, the announcements of Carr and Allen and, you know, Rowan Brumball, the guard from up uh, UMass way? What do you think of uh, the additions,
1: BD? Well, I tell you, I really like the potential of the backcourt right now with with Carr coming back, Rice coming in, a veteran, um, Arterio Morris, who McDonald's All-American coming in right? here. Brumbaugh strikes me as a guy who is going to be one of these grinding, you know, Brandy Perryman three-point bomber types, you know. Um, so I like I like where the backcourt is at. Uh, I really like Timmy Allen. I I think that he for an undersized player at his position, I think mm-hmm. I think they got a lot of production out of him. Um, and so you get to Sue back, Dylan Mitchell. I mean, I really like how this team is shaping up. And if I'm and if I'm Chris Beard now, now I can kind of go n- nitpick at people in the portal and you can go after specific needs, right? As opposed to, remember last year, they had to take this shotgun blast approach because they only had Phil Rockingham and Jace Febris were the only two players that were committed. So right uh, now he's got a roster. I uh, Don't forget about Christian Bishop. I really like Christian Bishop and how he developed at the end of the year. I think CB great. could really, uh, really grow uh, next year as well.
3: What do you think, said? Do you think uh, you like the team that's kind of coming together with some new parts and old parts?
2: Yeah, I do. I like the mix so far. Um, I like that uh, I like that Devin Askew has moved on. I was not a, not a real fan of his. Um, or once again, a scrappy guy. I think they need better guys than scrappy guys eating up those minutes. Um uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna lose some institutional knowledge and experience with with those with those big dogs gone. But I do like Brock Brock's still coming back, right, BD? I mean, if it's Twitter, if we were to believe him on Twitter, Brock's gonna be back, and that's a glue guy um, that that brings a physical presence. I, I I like the fact that he's building it now in April and not waiting to the summer. Um, to see what scraps are on there, because he's got some really quality guys uh, that are going to come in here. But like we said at the beginning of last year, it's going to be coming down to can you make this thing mix? Can you get these guys on the same page? This is the new way of business for college basketball coaches, and I think it's a lot harder than going in the living rooms. Now you're you're talking to grown-ups who have already been in college, and uh, in some cases – Uh, they're going to have their hands out.
3: It's going to be some pressure. You mentioned the backcourt, BD. I mean, you know, Marcus Carr coming back, and he was up and down all year long. He was. And then he shows up in the NCAA tournament, averages 19 a game, and, you know, shooting 50-plus percent from three. And just, you know, if he can harness that a little bit, uh, you know, because it's going to be competitive. He He was back in the Midwest. That's why he got hot. You know, Marcus, you
1: it, Mar- he was at home. It seemed like go ahead. Marcus, Marcus Carr's biggest problem to me is he needs to find a way to get started earlier in games. Yeah, he, he cannot wait. To, he cannot yeah. wait until the second half to start doing his thing. I, real, real quick, I, you know, because I wanted to say, I thought about I thought about this the other day. Um, Andrew probably not coming back. Courtney not coming back. Um, when Matt Coleman moved on, Jace Febris moving on. I tell you what, it's it's like this, it's like this certain snapshot era of all these shaka guys who are now gone. It's like when Jonathan Holmes, Cam Ridley, Prince eBay, that, you know, the Javon Felix group, that that group left, and now this group has left. And it's it's like a new group of a uh, new era sort of thing going into the moody center.
3: Well, how's the mood? How's the mood? <laughs> Bless the
2: moon. Yeah, bless, bless the, the moon. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! We can't do that, Brian. Because that's that, that's two people singing, and that's one more oh. than was singing at the dedication.
3: <laughs> 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 the, <laughs> minister, the minister of the mute button. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the maestro of culture, but it uh, needs some work on on something like that. So, hey, uh, just a, a little housekeeping. Mark Emmerich stepping down as NCA. Good, Steve Poncho. You guys just in time for job?
2: just in time for him before he's gonna be forced to lead. Yeah, I, I
3: asked Bob Bowlesby today. Hey, are you interested in that? No, any interest? Uh, no, none. And Greg Sankey was asked. He said, ah, "I think I'm pretty busy. I mean, that's <laughs> the one commissioner job NCA president would be a come down from Greg Sankey's job." So. Uh, I don't know it's just it's a really fluid situation for the NCAA, and it? I mean, we talked about Bowles being 12-team playoffs, probably going to come sooner than later, but it's just a weird time for college athletics,
1: isn't it? The NCAA needs to have someone who is not afraid to kind of rule with a little bit of an iron fist. You know, they need – they've got to have someone who has more – they got to empower uh, him. The person, yeah, they, they need to they empower, empower that him. person. And, th- and that person needs to be someone who can tell, who can check Greg Sankey. Because if, if you don't have that, then this person's worthless. The position is worthless. Uh, in, in my I opinion. got a name. I got a name.
3: Who you got?
2: Jay Billis. Jay Billis. Uh,
1: he doesn't He's, want that job. He That's doesn't he want it. Want it but
2: Jay Billis is so smart and so oh. tough. And he would, but he's not a football guy. So I don't really think that they would give it to a basketball guy. But Jay Billis, if Jay Billis was a great football player uh, that played uh, All-American, I think that he would be the guy that might be able to check Greg Sankey. But I'm telling you, there are too many people that want that job. It's a thankless job. Yeah. It's also a job that may be obsolete in five years if these big leagues decide to get together and create a super league of just power fives and and dispense with the other stuff and uh, and 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 push the NCAA out of the check cashing business because that's the one thing the NCAA is good at, guys. That's cashing checks.
3: Yeah, they are. And one name I just threw out there to remember is Jack Swarbrick, the AD at Notre Dame. Uh, he's he's one of that power group of 11 commissioners plus the Notre Dame AD. And he was quoted, in, you know, Pat Forty had a story about him. He said, yeah, we could see just totally see the NCA dissolve by the mid thirties. And, you know, all these TV contracts are going to come up in the next few years. So I don't know if he's tired of the campus life and Maybe Jack Swarbrick would be – he's got the name and he's got maybe the credits to to do that. Uh, but why would um, you want the headache? I head? don't know why anybody would want that. You know, I wouldn't. Exactly. You just make a lot of money, and but you're a lightning rod for criticism too. A lot of money.
1: If Lux, do that.
3: We always throw Oliver Luck's name out there for everything. So uh, why not throw that out there for him too? I don't think Del Conte is interested in it either. He's having too much fun
2: fixing yeah. uh, plug-in toilets at uh, Texas.
3: Yeah. yeah, well, I know, now I know we're all in a good mood. Uh, we've survived <laughs> spring football. we got some college baseball coming up and track and softball and all those good things. So I'm sure you guys are just taking off till like, August, aren't you?
2: I'm not taking off until it's time to take off. We're having too much fun. We had fun today on On Second Thought. All over David Pierce and the resurgent Texas baseball team. Brian Davis rolling in to drop some knowledge on these quarterbacks and on the new-look Chris Beard Longhorns. All over Mark Emmert, finally getting the hell out of there. Should have been out of there years ago. He just should have been. He should have been. But we're going to be talking so much more sports. Spring football is over. We can move on to other pursuits uh, for the rest of the summer. But until then... We are going to check out today. That'll do it for 258 Thanks to David Pierce. Thanks to BD. And thanks to the Doug Kirk Bowls. We will see you next time on Second Thought. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.